You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. I'm so glad that you made it. Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to spend some time in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where the Lord's leading us today. I think God's got something special in store for you as we turn our hearts to his word. I want to just say thank you for all of you who are joining us online. Your high-risk family is going to give you a big round of applause if you would, guys. Come on. All of our friends in Mineral Wells and Baird in Louisiana, those that are watching from Abilene, Texas, those who are being lazy and staying home right here in Longview, hey, we're so glad you could join us. Do us a favor if you would. If you like what you're seeing, click that share button. It means a lot to us. And go ahead and interact with the people that are there. We've got some moderators standing by that want to have a conversation with you and want to help you make this experience as great as possible, as, as good as it can be online while you're watching. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to continue on with our Before the Win series. So sharing with you the things that are happening before you see the outcome, before you see the good stuff, before you see that, that win that we kind of project. And Before the Win has been a great series where our leaders are taking a step forward and being uh, honest with you and sharing with you uh, some of the things that maybe you didn't know. Yeah. Our tagline is, you see the glory, you don't know the story. You don't see what it took to get here. And uh, we want to make sure that you understand that this is not a church of perfect people. This is not a church with a perfect pastor. I'm not that, and you're not that either. Uh, that, that, uh, that kind of projection of perfection, it's a joke, right? And so we want to make sure you understand you're surrounded by people that are walking through stuff just like you. You're not alone. Most important thing that we, can, that we can understand today is that we serve a God that loves us just as we are and is helping us to not stay there. You're not finished. And until you take your last breath on this planet, God's still working on your heart. And I want you to give him the freedom to do that. That's my greatest hope for you, is that you would allow God room to work on your life. That you wouldn't put up walls and barriers and say, God, you can't, you can't do this. This is who I am. Like God says, wait a minute, did I not create you? Let me define who you are. And so as we get into this place of, of honesty and transparency, humility, we recognize that it's messy. I've got my mess, you've got your mess, there's my junk and your junk, and as we come to church on Sunday, it's easy for us to say, hey, I'm perfect, and I belong at this perfect church with the rest of you perfect people. Like, you're in the wrong place. Like, that's the other church across, across town. That's not us. And we'll be honest enough to say it. All of us have issues. We try to put it on display like we don't, but we do. And so it's important as leaders that we go first and say, hey, look, we're, we're all in process. We serve a good God that's still working on us. He's calling us from darkness to light. He's calling us to become something more than what we ever thought we could be in our greatest strength. And so as we're spending time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, the Apostle Paul begins to share with us his story, and he brings it down to one statement in verse 17 that we're going to focus all of our attention on and, uh, and, and kind of just milk the goodness that is in that one simple scripture. And so when I grew up, uh, there was an important day where you had to be perfect. Now, for those of you that remember this, um, this was back in the days before everyone had a camera in their pocket. This was the day called Picture Day in elementary school. Now, Picture Day was a big deal. 
You had to look perfect, the clothes had to be right. And uh, most of the time I was spent in Christian schools or being homeschooled. And when you're homeschooled, there's no such thing as picture day. There's no such thing as getting the fresh haircut. There's none of that, none of that, it's not a big deal. Um, so when I finally got a chance to go to a public school for a few weeks, they had picture day and that was a new thing to me. So I came and told my mom like, look, I know this is a big deal to you because they're gonna send you this, this, this order form and you're gonna order pictures of me. She's like, well, I'd love that, That'd be a, that's a cool thing. And I said, but I have to have a haircut. Like, you gotta cut a good haircut. That's a big deal to me. Now, we were raised poor. It wasn't something where we could just go and spend that $12 to get a haircut. That wasn't happening. So we'd take the old chili bowl, stick it on top of your head, and get to cutting. Now, my mom said, I don't have time. Your hair looks fine. That was not good enough for me because we had to be perfect on picture day. I took the scissors and took care of my own hair. And my mom didn't see until picture day Gave her the proof. And let me just say, it was, a, it, was a, it was a crazy day at our house where she realized the importance of, of listening to me. When I say I need a haircut, I need a haircut. And you got about 10 minutes to tell me where we're going. Uh, and then there was a time where we did something that most of the generation today doesn't understand. We finally got our family together and went to Olin Mills. Olin Mills doesn't exist like it, like, it does, like, like it did back then. It was a big deal for our family to get together and for us to put on our Sunday best and to push that image of perfection. We've got it all worked out. We're so proper and petite. This is our best clothes. And so my mom wanted to bless my dad for Father's Day, which is coming up really soon, by the way. Fair warning, in case you didn't know that. It's the day after Mother's Day, like we start focusing on Father's Day. But anyways, to give my dad a, a special gift, she wanted to do a... Uh, a great picture of mom and dad and the kids. And, and so we all got dressed up in our best. And uh, I didn't realize at the time that I, what I know now is that there are levels to photographers. And uh, we weren't dealing with the top brass, let me just say. And so this guy says, hey, just take off your shoes, relax. It's gonna be a great time. We're gonna give you some awesome pictures. And let me just say, there are pictures of our family with my mom's bare foot at the bottom of the, the photo. Like there's no shoes on her. And then you look at my brother and his shirt's like all untucked and he, he's got this big old smile and I'm doing something weird with my jaw like half werewolf is like, Ooh. and then they put my sister as like just the face turned sideways in the silhouette like up in the top of the corner of the photo like she passed away or something. Like that was a thing back in the 70s and 80s. It's like, this is our family and somehow it worked. Like we kept those pictures because like, well, that, this is us. I mean, this. That's kind of how we do it. You know, other people look perfect and they're hanging up over the mantle. We're just like, yeah. it is what it is, right? You know, I, I believe that this is, is true, not just with Olin Mills and pictures, but, our, but with our family and even our, our relationship with the Lord and with each other. Our attempts at the perception of perfection are comical. It's comical, especially to the Lord. I love the scripture where it talks about we serve a God that laughs and he, he laughs at the schemes of the wicked. He laughs at the things that people are planning, the things that they have in their heart that they think we're gonna do this and this and this and it's gonna be so awesome and God's like, <laughs> no, no. You're not as smart as you think you are. You don't have it all planned out like you think it is. You're, you're not as perfect as you project yourself to be. The good news is we serve a God that can see beyond all that and still love you. He still loves you. And he's calling you to not stay there, but to allow him to do his best work. Now, in the process of that moment, and when we, when we come to that, we have to get to a place where we allow God to do something that, that seems really insulting in any other part of our life. 
And that's, that's these two key words, fresh start. A fresh start. Need a, need a do-over. For our golfer's terms, you need a, need a mulligan, right? Be able to start over again. Now, that seems insulting because it means you, you made a mistake and you have to admit it. If you're in school and they say, we're going to have to repeat this this past year, you didn't do too well. That's an insult, and we're, it's something that we try to hide. We don't tell people, like, oh, he's starting the fourth grade again. Like, he's 14. Like, we get it. Like, we see it. You're not going to hide that that much. He's the only kid in fourth grade with a full-blown mustache. That's, it's kind of obvious. But a fresh start with God, please hear me, is not an insult. It's not an insult. As a matter of fact, it's part of our daily discipline. Scripture says, his mercies are new every morning and his kindness leads us to repentance what an amazing thing to recognize the fact that what is insulting in every other part of life is actually part of our daily discipline with God the God of the fresh start and for some of us that are in this place today or maybe watching online the reason why you find yourself stuck like you're stuck is because you're afraid to admit that you need a fresh start We don't have a good understanding of what a fresh start looks like. We get stuck in our own ways thinking, I have to do it this way because this is me. And God's like, can can we have a fresh start? Can we get a do-over on that? Can you come back to me? Let's let's go back to where we started. Just, Just my will and your heart. There's a trust that happens between us and the Lord. The fresh Start. There's a misconception in each of our lives about what a fresh start looks like. And I think it's important today that we understand who the God of the fresh start is. I want to give you three things, and we're going to show you a video that some of my friends have made for you where they're sharing, you, uh, sharing with you their, their testimony of how it looks when you might appear to have the perfect family, but underneath it all, it took a lot to get there. It took a fresh start. It took us asking God, okay, Lord, we, we bring our, our junk and our issues, and would you help us? We need your help. Here's three things I want to make sure that you understand according to God's word as we, as we dig into who the God of the fresh start is. Number one, God loves to make new things and make things new. It's not insulting to God. He loves to do it. As a matter of fact, Genesis 1, at the beginning of the Bible, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created God introduces himself through his word as the creator, the one who makes new things. In Revelation chapter 20, at the end of his word, Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. From beginning to the end, we see a God that creates, that makes new things. And in between the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, we see a God who makes things new. What are those things? It's me. It's you. It's our lives. He makes things new. He takes your family And he makes it new. He redeems it from the curse of sin. He redeems it from the things that were passed on to you and the the hurts and the wounds and the addictions. The things that you're genetically prone to. There are plenty of things that people would say, look, this is just how I was made. This is how my grandparents were and their parents were. It just kind of runs in our family. Only by the grace of God do we get to say, except that's not true anymore. Only by the grace of God can we say, look, that." I've been born again. Those rules don't apply to me anymore. Why? Because I'm now a son or I'm now a daughter of the most high God. 
There are plenty of things that you could say, I was born like this. And God says, this is why I'm asking you to be born again. That's right, that's right. That's good. The God of the fresh start yes. Yes. calls us to understand who he is. He makes things new and he makes new things. And it is never too late for a fresh start with God. In the process of all that, we find 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, a powerful scripture that tells us the beauty of what God can do with a submitted life. Paul says this, therefore, or in conclusion, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It means who you think you are don't have to be the limits anymore. God takes the limits off of your life, takes the parameters off and says, I get to define you. This is the beauty of a fresh start is we allow God to do his best work, allow him to be who he is. He makes new things and he makes things new and he loves to do it. Here's the second point I wanna make sure that you see today as we're understanding the God of the fresh start. God works best on our heart and on our hurts. Now, uh, I say that because I'm trying to combat something that we've uh, allowed to get into our theology uh, that keeps us from understanding really who God is and what he does, and it, it leads us down a bad path. We would rather God work on our circumstances. God, fix these things. Fix my pain, fix my finances, fix this, fix that. And God's like, I, I can do that. Is he our healer? Sure. Can he deliver? Sure. Can he provide? Absolutely. Sure, he can do those things. But he does his best work on the inside. And this is the place where many of us have a hard time trusting God. It's with our hearts and with our hurts. The things we don't let people see. And I'm telling you this today because I've been there. I know what it's like to have God only work on these things. Let's say, but this stuff, that, that, that's mine. You can't have that. And we never understand the best parts of God, where he works on the heart and on the hurts, on the things that we don't allow anybody else to see. Now, when you hear the word um, hurts, it's easy for us to say, yes, what people have done to me, circumstances that have happened that have hurt me. But I wanna expand your thinking a little bit more and help us to understand it's not just what has happened to you, but what you've done to someone else. Those are hurts too. Things that we carry are the ways that we've hurt others. Those that loved you and you spit in their face. You turned your back, you betrayed them, you spoke harshly. Those are deep wounds that we've caused. Don't, don't let this sit in your mind where it's all about things that have been done to me. Are those reality? Sure, but it's not the whole reality. It's not just what has been done to me, but what I've done to others. And let me take it a step farther, how you've treated God. This was perhaps the biggest revelation in my entire life that changed everything about my future. The moment where I realized that the deepest wounds and the, the pain that I felt was exactly the same way that I had made God feel. When you have that realization, you recognize that he has a heart and his heart breaks for how I've treated him. 
And at that moment, you have a couple of responses. You can ignore it and say, who cares? He's God, he'll get over it. Or you can do what I did and say, oh, woe is me. I'm sorry. But I need you to redeem my hurts. And this is where God did his best work in my life. That chain, it wrecked me forever. When I allowed God to heal my heart from the hurts that I felt, the hurts that I've imposed, and the ways that I've hurt my father. He says, I've kept you. I've watched over you. I gave you life. I gave you breath. I surrounded you with people that loved you. I put you in an environment where you could grow, and you turned your back, and you spit in my face. You said, that's not good enough for me. I get to define me. I realized how much that hurt him. Like, what have I done? And there's a new perspective when we understand that God of the fresh start does his best work on the inside of me. I love what he says in Hebrews chapter eight. The writer says, look, uh, here's how I understand God. God says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. I love that word iniquities. That's the Greek word adikia, which means violation or when you broke the law. I said these things are not for you and you did them anyway. And God says, I'm gonna be merciful towards that. I'm gonna give mercy where you don't deserve it. And then he says, toward their sins, I'll choose to remember them no, no more. The word for sins there is hamartia. It means uh, to, to miss the mark, to fall short. He said, you know, the times where you've broken the law and you've fallen short, you didn't do what I asked you to do. You, you fell short in your best efforts. God says, I'm gonna choose to not remember that. Now, we say all the time in our common uh, vernacular as we're dealing with people that have hurt us, we say, I'm gonna have to just forgive and... Forget. Is that possible? No. Not without dementia. <laughs> Alzheimer's might be God's greatest gift for you to help to forget some of the stuff that's happened to you. I get it. Is it possible? No. Forgive and forget? No, I'm not God. But God says, I have the ability to not only forgive your sin, but I choose to remember it no more. But I'm not giving you that ability. You ever wonder why God doesn't just erase our painful memories and erase our mistakes, erase the times that we committed adultery or made a mistake or did something stupid or you stole or you lied or you cheated or you... God didn't allow us the ability to forget those things. God says, I want to be God of those things. If we could forget our failures, we'd just repeat them. You just do it again. And the Bible is clear that sin is fun for a season. Have your fun. But there's a high price to pay for low living. There's a price tag involved in that. You don't want to pay it. God says, I'm going to choose to forgive, to give mercy, and then to forget their sin. I love that about God. He says, I can remove their sin as far as the east is from the west. That's what the beauty of a fresh start brings. A God that can say goodbye to our sin and heal us on the inside. As a matter of fact, even with his own precious people, the, the Jewish people and the Israelite culture, when they do, completely turn their back on God time after time after time, as a matter of fact, the whole first half of the Bible seems to be one story of betrayal after the next. That gives me hope. <laughs> it should give you hope. And even after all that, I love what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 43. He says, speaking on behalf of God, he says, see, I'm going to do a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And this is still the heart of God to every single person today. 
I want to do something new. And I want you to get it. It's springing up. He's the God of the fresh start. In spite of what you've done, in spite of how you've fallen short, no matter where you are or where this road has led you, if you're stuck, he says, I'm the God of the fresh start. And this is where I do my best work. Here's the third point I want to make sure that we see before we watch a little video. Uh, Number three, uh, God heals the pain and deals with the pride. Now, this is important for us to catch because it is those two things that will keep us from ever allowing God to do his best work. Your pain because you don't trust him or your pride because you don't think you have to. Now, it is easy to live in the past. It takes zero effort to live in the past. That's easy. Everybody does it. It's part of who we are. Um, And by the way, when we say past, that could be your victories or your defeats, your wins and your losses. It's easy to allow our lives to be dominated by the past for better or for worse. As a matter of fact, it takes zero effort if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. We all live in the past. We liked them three Super Bowls. It was amazing. That was 30 years ago, Jack. Two words, man. Tom Brady. Into all of it. The only way that Tom Brady wouldn't win another Super Bowl is if he put on Dallas uniform. I'm convinced of it. They need a do-over. They need a fresh start. But some of us live our life like that. I used to walk with God. I used to serve. I used to be faithful. And that was enough. Like, well, What about today? He's the God of the fresh start. And God heals the pain and deals with the defeat. He deals with our pride and helps us to not be limited by that. What happens if we don't allow God to deal with the pain and deal with the pride? Let me just tell you what happens. Opportunities will come along where God wants to use you. And because of your pain or your pride, you'll say, I'm either not worthy of that or that's beneath me. And here is where we find the status of the church today. Either I don't need that That's for weak people. Or I'm not worthy of that. I'm messed up and I'm a piece of junk. God does his best work with the pain and the pride. And in this we see this statement. In Christ, past successes don't inflate our pride and past failures don't deflate our worth. That's a beautiful thing. He gives us the key to a better life. A life where pain gets redeemed and healed. Where he does something called restoration and redemption. And that's the better version of you than even the one that we project on Sunday morning. So I love what the approach that that Paul has as we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because we know that a couple different times in scripture Paul says this. He said, look, when it comes to sinners, I'm the chief. <laughs> I'm the chief of my, I'm the worst. Paul said, did any of you guys go around killing Christians and destroying the church? Yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. Talk about sin, I'm the worst. And then there's other parts in scripture where Paul says, look, I'm more qualified than any of you. You wanna boast about things? You wanna put all our medals up? I got more medals than all of you. But in Philippians 3, he makes this statement. I'm gonna have to lay aside the past. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies 
ahead. He says, I press on to take hold of that which took hold of me. He looks at all his accomplishments for better or for worse, the painful stuff and the prideful stuff. He says, I just want to know Jesus. I just want him. And that's the moment where he experienced a fresh start, which is what many of us need today. You know, and in that moment where you understand who God is, you start understanding who he can make you to be. So I want you to take a moment, if you would, and turn your attention to the screen and enjoy the, enjoy the powerful testimony from some of my friends that share their life before the win. Here you go. So I'm Zach, and this is my beautiful wife, Taylor. And uh, I'm a pastor here at High Ridge Church, and I oversee all creative ministry, online ministry, and student ministry. And she holds it down at home with our three kids and uh, also serves in multiple areas across the church as well. And we really have a beautiful life. Very grateful for our life, uh, but we didn't start there. So I was born in a small town in Arkansas, um, was the youngest of two brothers, went to a small school, and uh, life was great uh, until my brother started to, to develop some really serious health issues. And around the time he was a year and a half old or two years old, he started to develop normally, started to walk, um, but then shortly thereafter he lost his ability to walk. And this was right around the same time that I was born. And my parents, spent the next several years traveling all over the country, raising money, visiting every hospital, every specialist, trying to figure out what was wrong with my brother because he completely lost his ability to walk. He was in a wheelchair. Uh, his body shut down to the point that he couldn't even process food. We had to install a, a feeding tube in his stomach. And um, it was really, it was really, really hard. Um, he was my best friend. I mean, when I was a little boy, we did everything together, even though that he was in a wheelchair or he was just crawling around the floor, he couldn't walk. I mean, we were best friends. And um, he was such a sweet kid, such a good kid. And he was an evangelist. Like he would tell everybody at the grocery store about Jesus and about how much Jesus loved him and was just a sweet, sweet kid. And. Uh, it was hard, and but I loved him, and our, as difficult as our life was, we kept moving forward and um, until right before my fifth birthday. And I'll never forget my dad and I, we were driving through the country just spending one-on-one -on -one time together. It's kind of how we hung out, or we'd get away from the busyness of life. And um, I'll never forget coming back in the house, and we always had an in-home nurse that would stay with us to help take care of my brother. And I remember there just being panic in the house. And my dad sat me down on the couch and he put his hands on my shoulders and looked me in the eye and he said, no matter what you do, don't come into this room. And I was a four year old, almost five years old. And so I just sat there scared. I didn't know what was going on on the couch in the living room until I started hearing the, the wailing and the crying and the tears from my family and the, the in-home nurse. And, uh, and then about 30 minutes later, they finally let me into my bedroom where my brother was laying and he had passed away. He had just, he had just passed away as a seven-year-old boy. My parents and I spent the next several years trying to figure out what life looked like. Um, 
and it was really hard on my parents' relationship. Um, as, you know, we weren't really super involved with church or as involved with church during those early years when my brother was still alive. But after he passed, it really, it really kind of drove my mom in a deeper relationship with God and it drove my dad the opposite direction. And so there was just tension in our home and it was really, it was really hard. Um, but life had to go on. So I was born in Central Texas to a single mom who was working graveyard at the time. Um, I had my grandparents who played a big role in my life um, from an early age. They helped my mom a lot with the graveyard shift. Um, around the age of three, um, my mom married a man who stepped in and was my father figure. I called him dad. He had a little boy of his own and my mom had me, so they had mine, his and ours. Um, shortly after marrying, they had my younger sister. As I began to get older, I began to realize that my parents' relationship had grown unstable. Um, there was a lot of fighting, um, just a lot of chaos in the house. There was alcoholism in the house um, that, that led to some family violence. Um, just there was, the, our family became very rocky. When I was in middle school, my grandmother, who I'd been very close to, was diagnosed with cancer, and after a brief battle, she ended up passing away. Her death uh, just took a huge hit to our family. She was the, the center of my mom's side of the family, and um, it was something that we weren't ready for. After my grandmother passed away, my mom and my siblings and I moved in with my grandfather. The grief that came from my grandmother's passing, along with just some poor um, personal decisions, led to a big decline in my mom's mental state. She began using drugs heavily at that time until it became a full-on addiction. The more my mom continued down the path of addiction, um, she became just a very irritable person and became even physically and verbally abusive. As the oldest child of the house at the age of 14, I um, took on the burden of the family. I tried to bring stability uh, in a very unstable place. And while my grandfather was supporting us financially in the ways that he could, he was physically limited. So I would help him um, with buying groceries, with um, helping take care of my siblings, making sure that everyone was fed, um, helping with homework and school projects, getting people to practice and picked up from school, um, all while trying to maintain my own stuff as well. So I'd attended the same school my whole life and I had a great group of friends, um, great teachers that were surrounding me, but I kind of kept all that to myself. I, they didn't really know the ins and outs of what I was dealing with once I left the school um, or the practice each day. Um, I, I felt the need to, um, you know, present myself as someone that had everything together um, while at home was going home to very um, unstable environment each day. As I began to process through those years of my life, um, I really gained a clear picture on what I wanted for my future. I made the choice that I wasn't gonna let bad decisions that my parents had made determine my future. Um, I came to the realization that what happened to me wasn't my fault, but what I did with it was my responsibility. I grew up and uh, I proved that I could do well in school. And so then a standard was set for me to always do really well in school, um, which I started to kind of build my identity on and build like, okay, well, if there were so many things in my life that I couldn't control, I can control this and I can, I can really become an achiever and do the things that I want to do. And uh, it, it reflected through, through my schoolwork. Um, I really tried to excel as an athlete uh, as best I could. I was always really small, um, so that held me back. 
Uh, but my dad was a great athlete in high school, and so I was always trying to live up to his standard. Um, and after that kind of all happened with my brother, my mom and I started attending church regularly at that point. And so we were there any time that the door was open. And so in all that, I really started trying to discover what does it really mean to have a relationship with God? And um, I was the Christian kid in school. So like by the book appeared like I was doing all the right things, but still was living in sin, still making poor decisions, still not honoring God with the way that I lived. And um, leading up to where I was 17 years old, I was getting ready to graduate. Um, I, I talked to my mom and I told her, I don't know that this God thing is, is real. I don't know if it's legitimate. I've never heard God. I've never experienced his presence. Um, and I'm not gonna keep doing this just for the sake of appearances or trying to please people or look a certain way. And in that, she, um, she really challenged me to dive into the book of Romans and every day read a little bit and pray about what you read. And then she told me, you need to be quiet and you need to listen to whatever he has to tell you. And then I got to Romans chapter eight one day and it's uh, verses 37 through 39. And um, in that moment, for the very first time in my life, I felt God really in the room with me, speak to me. And that verse is really just talking about how there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And God told me in that moment, like, if you choose to walk away, if you choose to, to go the other direction, if you choose to spit in my face, nail me to the cross, um, then it doesn't affect my love for you. Through God really getting a hold of me and challenging me as a 17-year-old, I, really, I realized that the greatest life that I could live is on the other side of serving God and serving God's people. After moving to East Texas for college uh, and beginning to create a life here, um, I began coming here for church on the weekends. I would drive in from Tyler each weekend um, to attend service. Um, up until that point, I thought I was a Christian. I had been involved in FCA in high school. Um, I believed in God and I believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but I had never truly made Jesus the Lord of my life. Um, and um, I knew that I was that there was something more out there. I knew that there was gonna need to be a moment of surrender. One Sunday morning, just during worship, just feeling the presence of God like I'd never felt before, um, I just felt um, His love for me. I received His grace and mercy like I never had before, and I truly repented of my sins and um, surrendered my life to the Lord and um, basically said, God, I don't wanna do this on my own anymore. That, that the weight that I've been carrying for the last several years um, had finally reached its point where I was just ready to, to deal with it and, um, and to hand it over to Him. Um, I really began to go on a journey with the Lord, uh, just dealing with things. Um, I had uh, began spending more time with a friend, uh, one of my roommates, college roommates, who had come from a big family. Um, they had seven of their own children, so they didn't realize that one more had joined. Um, they, they took me in, they showed me um, what it was like to have a healthy family unit, and um, I just, the Lord just really began to do a work in my heart um, using that family. They uh, challenged me, they corrected me, they helped me grow, um, they loved me, and they encouraged me, and their authority in my life, along with the tender work that the Lord had been doing in my heart, um, absolutely changed my life. So as Taylor and I started dating, we realized that we wanted to really build our lives on, on the Word of God 
and what uh, he says a family should look like. And we wanted to do things differently. And, um, you know, we both walked through really difficult things as children that some were people's faults and some weren't. Uh, but we, we knew that God being the foundation of everything that we did, if our hearts were submitted to one another, and if we were willing to learn and grow together and give each other grace as we dealt with all the stuff that we grew up with, then uh, we could really endure anything together uh, with the Lord and with each other. And we could really set a strong example for our children and the people that we get to love and we get to lead. After letting the Lord just continue to heal my heart, um, I finally feel like I've who I am on the inside is what flows out of who I am on the outside. I no longer feel like there's a big gap between the person I'm portraying myself to be and who I actually feel like I am. And that is only because of the work that the Lord's done in my heart um, and surrounding myself with people who encouraged me to really deal with all of that. I know that that spot is a sweeter place to be in than any um, fake polished version of myself that I can portray to others. Our hope is that anybody that's seeing this would know that God can use broken people. And it doesn't matter what type of pain that you've walked through, whether it was imposed on you by somebody else, or it was just a, just a really sad situation in your life, that if you'll submit your heart and your life to God and choose to follow Him, even as much as it might be hard or you might have trouble trusting Him, that He can rewrite your story and make it beautiful. So I want to thank Pastor Zach and Taylor for being so transparent, sharing their story. It, uh, it means a lot to us when you can see people um, not afraid to get into the weeds. You've got issues, I've got issues. The most important thing is, are you going to stay stuck there or allow the Lord to do his best work? That's what we're here to do today, is to give you an opportunity to allow the Lord to do his best work with wherever you might find yourself. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? As we finish the service today, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to your father. It may have been a while since you've talked to him, but he's here. And he's been waiting to speak to you. Maybe you're watching online. It's time to connect with the Lord. Today's a new day. I want to remind you that his mercies are new every morning. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to redeem today. And he wants to redeem your life question is, will you trust him to do that? It's not easy. I don't think it comes natural for us to trust, especially the older that we get and the more pain that we've experienced. But I will tell you this, it's worth it. It's worth it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to pray a very special prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but it's a prayer of submission and surrender. And the prayer is this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Are there areas of my life that I have not given you? Are there parts of me that need a fresh start? I need a do-over. I need another chance. Lord, your word says that you would forgive our iniquities and that you would choose to forget our sins. And Lord, we have them all. Iniquities, and sins, failures and shortcomings, words that we've said, attitudes that we've had.
places that we've been, things that we've looked at, experiences that were not honoring to you. They bring a lot of pain. But today, Lord, we turn and we ask that you would forgive and forget that today would be a day of fresh starts. My friend, all over this place, I want to invite you to forget about the person that you came with. Forget about those on your left and your right and connect with your father. Lord, I need you. Will you help me? I submit. I need a fresh start. Let today be a new day. I give you permission to do your work. I make room for you. Come, have your way. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you're watching today online or perhaps you're sitting in this service, I just ask you, do you know for sure that you have a relationship with the Lord? You don't get unlimited opportunities to get right with God. There's a clock, a ticking clock on all of this. But today is a day where I wanna make sure that you get the opportunity to get right with the Lord. If it's been a while or if you don't have a relationship with him at all. Maybe like me, you were raised in church but you got away from the Lord. Today's your day, and I love you enough to give you the same opportunity that somebody gave me one time, a chance to make it right with the Lord and to get back on track. So if that's you, perhaps you need a relationship with the Lord or you need to come home, I wanna invite you to pray the same prayer that I prayed one time. The prayer goes like this. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. Say, I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you into my heart. Cleanse me. Help me. Forgive me. Save me. I don't want to live my life my way anymore. So I give it to you. Thank you for what you did for me. In Jesus' name I pray. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you that just prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to just look up at me if you would and slip your hand in the air and say, that was me, Pastor. I actually prayed that prayer all over this place. Anybody here today that would say, that was me? I prayed that prayer with you. Good. Good. I see you, sir. Good for you. If you're watching online or maybe you're sitting here in this room, if that was you and you actually prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to text me. Would you text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. The number's appearing on your screen. And what we're going to do is send you some links to some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It would be our greatest honor to help you connect with the Lord for him to lead you into the person that he's called you to be. That's why we exist, to help you do that. So I want to invite you, text the number. Take a step of faith. Let us help you. For everyone else, would you go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet? It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you today and I just wanna say thank you for all of you who are supporting us. Many of you stand behind us financially and it's such, such a blessing to watch you give in spite of the economy that we have and the things that we've had to deal with. Um, you're dealing with a lot financially and to watch you still be faithful to support this church, it means the world to me. And so I just wanna say thank you. On behalf of all those that you're helping, it means a lot. 
Also wanna just celebrate a personal win. There's um, Highway 80 Rescue Mission. Many of our homeless and our addicted that, um, that live in an in-person uh, treatment facility right down uh, the street from us. Uh, we do ministry there one night, uh, one Friday night per month. And this past Friday, we had 17 people get saved at Highway 80 Rescue Mission. That's a big deal. There are a lot of parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters that are praying for those people that have very, very little. And to watch as the gospel gets presented and people take that step of faith, it means a lot. And so I just want to say thank you for your support and for believing that we can make a difference in this city. Our city hurts, has a lot of people that need help. And the greatest help for them is not me, it's not you, it's Jesus in us, helping people that have less than you. Thank you for that. Have our elders and their wives stepping forward. These guys are gonna be available to pray with you about any needs that you may have. And they'll stay here and be willing to do whatever you need. I love these guys, love what they're doing. I love the prayers that they pray. God moves when they speak and when they pray and when they ask them. So if you need prayer, please step forward at the end of this service and let these people pray for you. For everybody else, let me pray for you and bless you as we send you out. Father, I thank you in advance for the miracles that are happening as people walk out of this place different than the way that they came in. I pray that you would lead them, guide them, bless them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead and guide every single step. Would you bless them as they go in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome and amazing day. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com slash give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.